Fantasy Experts Football Podcast. And there's the intro music. I'm sure you're all very impressed that I uh, was able to get us uh, a new, different intro music. Each of our fantasy podcasts now has their own theme music. So I know, we're pretty legitimate here. Uh, but joining me today is Jack Delaney. Jack, how are you? Good, man. I enjoyed that intro. It was uh, a little festive having a hip-hop mix in there. I know. I thought so, too. I like that. I, I almost used that one for the baseball uh, intro, but... I went with a different one. Um, I also think this not really related to fantasy football, but I think we need a better name for this podcast. The, the fantasy football podcast is good, but I think we need to spice it up a little bit. So we'll work on that this week. But the NFL draft is two days away, which is sort of the start to the, I don't know, people start thinking about fantasy football around then. Free agencies happened. So we are here to sort of break it down. It's been a, probably about a month and a half since we talked last, right, Jack? I don't I don't remember what we talked. It, is right around all the craziness of the Eagles whenever that happens, right around then. Yeah, so I can't, I uh, don't think too much really has happened free agency-wise since then. I do remember we were talking about Kenny's potential on the Saints, and then literally after we hung up, they, they traded him to, uh, I think, the Eagles, actually. But uh, that still went to the Dolphins. The Dolphins, that's it. I just think everything involves the Eagles these days. Um <laughs> But I'm very happy to be talking to NFC football because my fantasy baseball teams are in tatters at the moment because of injuries. So let's let's pretend that's not a sport right now and focus on football. So Jack and I are in the so-called fantasy experts early mock draft for uh, football. Jack somehow – oh, no, you only had the second pick. You did the write-up. I was going to say you rigged it and got the first pick. But uh, what were you thinking with your first two-round picks uh, in this this early mock draft? Yes, I had the second pick, so uh, I'm a big fan of the zero running back theory, um, and that's basically selecting wide receivers throughout most of the draft, wherever you feel comfortable, up to a certain round. But with an early pick, with the second pick, uh, I wanted to focus on a running back. So I went with Eddie Lacy. Le'Veon Bell was off the board, but I actually prefer Lacy, and I would have taken him with the first pick just because the suspension is going to affect Bell. Um and who did I have? With the second pick, I selected uh, Jordy Nelson, and he was all the way available at the end of round two. Um, I actually didn't even consider that I had two Packers on my team, but I like Lacey because he's going to be more involved in the receiving game. We saw that this past season. And even though Nelson, he's uh, climbing up there a little bit in age, uh Aaron Rodgers is arguably the best quarterback in the league, and Nelson is his favorite receiver. So I don't know why he fell that late in the second round, but uh, I was glad to take him there. Yeah, I don't think there's even any question he's the best quarterback in the league now. Uh, Peyton Manning sliding a little bit. You get whatever you think about Andrew Luck. Yeah, he's pretty good. I think I think Rodgers sort of has that mantle. Um, but it is interesting. Julio Jones went before him. Uh, AJ Green. I took I had the tenth pick in the draft or ninth pick. Round one I took Calvin Johnson. Round two I took Des Bryant. 
so that would be the fourth pick in round two. Um, picking at the end of round two, I was not, or end of round one, I should say, I was not thrilled with any of the running back options. Um, I thought about Arian Foster. As a, he had a nice bounce back year last year, but I just, ugh, he, those, those injuries that keep cropping up had me worried. I don't know what LaShawn McCoy is going to do in Buffalo. Uh, and DeMarco Murray in, in the Eagles offense, they might have four running backs. I know right before we came on air, you said they got rid of Chris Polk. So that, you know, could give him some more touches. But still, it was – none of those running backs were super high on my list. And then I got yeah, – I, mean, I, I love those picks right there because those are two guys who could finish top two every single year. And John, yeah. getting Johnson at that spot, that's great. And Dez, I mean, that's kind of fallen too because Odell Beckham went before him, which is a little risky in my opinion. But I, I think he came away pretty good in those first two rounds. Yeah, I uh, we used to work at Skill. We used to write for Skillzone the uh, football season, Skillzone.com, um, and I used to champion Odell Beckham like in every round of the, uh, every one of our mock drafts. <laughs> and over the season, like my championing of him became like more clearly the right thing to do. Uh, so I even about taking him in the first round, but, like, that's just dumb. I Calvin Johnson's still here. I can't take Odell over him. And you know what? Calvin Johnson is an injury risk because he got banged up last year, but hopefully uh, he just he sat out a bunch of games last year. Hopefully he's back to 100%. And with Golden Tate across the field, I don't think teams are going to be able to just load up on him as much as uh, they had before. I don't think he'll catch as many passes, but this isn't – I should have said this before. This is not a PPR league we were for the, like, the right. statistics. So it doesn't matter. And you also got yeah, you got Eric uh, Eric Ebron too in there, and he should develop a little more in his second year. So you got to stop Ebron, you got to stop Tate, and you got to stop Calvin Johnson. Yeah. So it, I mean, if he if he catches eighty balls instead of a hundred, but still gets twelve touchdowns, twelve to fifteen touchdowns, because he's going to be that red zone guy. Um, I don't hate that, and I really was happy to see Des Bryant there in the second round, um, because right now Dallas has no running back, so. What are they going to do? They're going to throw it to Des Bryant over and over and over again. And I don't know how Des Bryant has managed this, but it seems like he's one of the more uh, – his touchdown numbers have been, like, quietly surprising, I guess. I think he had, like, 15 last year uh, or something. Did strange. he? I'm, wow. looking up, I'm looking up his stats now. But he's had a lot of – where is it? I had 16 last year. In 16 touchdowns. Wow. Now. See, like, Des Bryant is one of the loudest, most noticeable receivers in the league. But I feel like people completely overlooked that he had 16 touchdowns. So, that's a nice start. And yeah, How many receiving yards? Did he finish over 1,000 receiving yards? He had 88 catches, 1,300 yards, 16 touchdowns. He had a nice little stretch in the at the end of the season where he caught six and three weeks. So that really pumped up his numbers. And the NFC East is not, they are not known for their secondaries. The Giants have no safeties on the roster, I think. Uh, the Redskins corners are nothing to, you know, be worried about. And the same goes for the Eagles. So uh, I was pretty happy with it. But um, you mentioned before the zero running back theory, which something I did. I, <laughs> I had no idea what that was. And I, or I feel like I probably have come to my own, uh, understanding what it is like randomly but i uh, want you explain a little bit what that is because uh you've taught me what it is so teach teach the rest of our audience sure basically it kind of limits the uh the uncertainty of the running back 
position. I remember, I believe it was, 2000, it was either 2012 or 2013. It might have been 2013 when Maurice Jones-Drew was still kind of relevant, but I took Ray Rice, Stephen Ridley, and Maurice Jones-Drew as my first three picks, and they just bombed. So I'm like, there has to be a better way to kind of get guys who are going to produce. And even though wide receivers, um, the numbers might not – it might seem like there's a lot of guys who put up a lot of good numbers and running backs are kind of more elite in fantasy football terms and the uh, the draft pool can kind of shrink really quickly. But having a guy like Calvin Johnson outside of last year, he's normally going to return big numbers for you. Having a guy like Des Bryant or any of the other wide receivers, there's a better chance that they're going to, able, that they're going to be able to perform solidly throughout the year. So let's say you take – like you did, you go Calvin Johnson, Des Bryant um, in the third round. Let's say uh, somehow Alshon Jeffries hanging around. You grab him. Fourth round, you grab Deshaun Jackson. And fifth round, you grab a guy like uh, Jarvis Landry. There's a pretty good chance that you're going to have two or three of those guys finish in the top 20. And say Calvin Johnson gets hurt, your season isn't completely screwed. So in the later rounds, you focus on guys like Justin Forsett, or in this year, I think like a Darren McFadden, or some of the other guys who you might not think are running back one kind of guys, but as long as they can perform decent and get you points each week, um, your wide receivers are going to kind of take care of the rest. So it definitely depends how comfortable you are, though. If you don't want to have, uh, if you're scared not to have a running back going into the fifth round, like draft one in the fourth. Um, but, yeah, it's basically just kind of the limit, the uh, the risk that's really associated with some of these running backs. Yeah, I've definitely experienced that, uh, the, the failed early round draft picks. My most notable one was that one year, I don't know if it was Ronnie Brown's rookie year or his second year, but there was a lot of hype surrounding Ronnie Brown as like, oh, my God, he's going to be amazing on the Dolphins. And I think it was his rookie year. So I took him, like, eighth overall, and he was just a dud. I should have taken him. And then Cadillac Williams went, like, six rounds later, and he was, he was much, much better. So that just proves it. Um, not to spoil the rest of the draft, but I, I ended up taking Trey Mason in the fourth round. He's a guy I really like this year. I think, you know, that Rams team's going to be a little better. He's going to sort of have more of a hold on the job. So I have no problem, you know, grabbing somebody like that later. But, uh yeah, it was interesting. I tried to use it a little bit, this zero running back strategy in this draft, I like noticeably. Uh, once I passed on running backs in the first round, I'm like, I just kind of got to go with it for round two. But I don't know, it was interesting to see how the quarterbacks sort of shook out uh, because Peyton Manning didn't go in the first two rounds. What uh, what do you think about that? Do you think Andrew Luck is clearly the number two guy now? I think he was the second uh, yeah, if he was the second quarterback off the board, do you think that's uh, a fair assessment of his season to come? Yeah, I've been doing a lot of mock drafts, and him and Aaron Rodgers, they go in the second round almost every single time. Um, I think that's a big price to pay, though, and I remember last year he was available in my Rotable draft in, uh, I believe I got him in the fifth round, and he obviously outperformed pretty much everybody. So that was kind of a great pickup there. And other guys are spending early round picks on like Drew Brees, Peyton Manning, and Aaron Rodgers. And I got a guy who finished as one of the top quarterbacks um, all the way in the fifth round. So for me personally, I wouldn't draft guys that early, um, with quarterbacks that early. I'm kind of looking at Ryan Tannehill in the later rounds. Um, Cam Newton, he was hurt last year, but his last couple games, he really uh, 
poured on the rushing yards and really boosted his total. So I've been finding him available in the sixth and seventh round. So me personally, I'm just trying to look at guys in the later parts who can uh, conceivably finish as a top five quarterback and at least in the top ten. I like what you said about uh, Cam Newton there because he really seemed to come on in that playoff uh, push they had down the stretch last year. And then he even played with uh, the broken rib or after that car crash. So I think he could be in line for a big year. But Ryan Tannehill, really? Are you you really jumping on that bandwagon? I'm jumping. I've been all kind of on it last year. It didn't work out like I thought I would. But uh, Billy, Bill, I think Laser, Lazier, um, the new offensive coordinator, he really helped Lamar Miller. He really helped Tannehill. And, I mean, just with all the weapons Tannehill has with uh, Jordan Cameron, Kenny Stills, um, and they might even draft somebody, uh, might even draft a wide receiver. There's all kind of crazy things I'm hearing about what the Dolphins are going to do. But uh, they might try to move up a little bit and take somebody like Kevin White. So I think that offense is going to turn into a powerhouse. Yeah, that would be pretty interesting. if they. Uh, I, I think they finally put some weapons around him. I think when two years ago when they uh, – went out and free agency and got Mike Wallace. It sort of seemed like a Band-Aid as opposed to, like, you know, giving him a lot of talent. They're like, here's one guy who can catch a deep ball, so go out and, you know, be great. This year they seem yeah, to have the, uh, more. The Cleveland Browns approach. Yeah, and that, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, with a young quarterback like Tannehill, I think they needed to build a little stronger infrastructure around him. So this year, you know what, I wouldn't have thought about Ryan Tannehill as anybody I'd consider, but this year I think I might. Um, but just back to Peyton Manning, what do you what do you think about him? You think he's going to still be the Peyton Manning of old? I don't think he'll be throwing sixty five touchdowns this year. But where would you sort of rank him in the uh, QB tiers? You put him three, you put him four. Where did did he go in the fourth round in our draft? I think he was the last pick in the fourth round. Um, I don't think any other quarterback went between Luck and. Manning, because I can't think of who else would. I don't think Drew Brees will. He's lost so many weapons. Um, unless I'm just completely yeah, blank here. I, I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. He like I actually completely forgot about him and the um, that he was still available on the board. So actually, I don't mind taking him. He's available at the very end of the fourth round. I don't think that's a bad pickup. I don't think he expects him to uh, outperform Andrew Luck or Aaron Rodgers, but I don't see why he couldn't finish in the top ten. I wouldn't pay a first, second, third round pick for him, but I don't think that's bad in the fourth round. Yeah, I don't think he'll have the gaudy numbers, especially with um, uh, what's his first name, the, the Chase and CJ CJ Anderson, uh, sort of emerging as like a legitimate running back last year. Um, I don't think I don't right. think and Kubi and Kubiak's in there too, so everybody has to remember that as well. He loves to run yeah. the ball. I just don't think they're going to be slinging the ball like they were that first. Uh, or not the first year, the second year, when they lost to the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. Uh, I mean, he still has weapons. He still has Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. No Julius Thomas, which probably hurts a little bit. But um, I definitely think – I thought it was a great pick for – I don't – I think Levi took him at the end of the round. Yeah, Levi took him at the end of the fourth, and I thought that was a great pick. Um, I kind of regretted not taking him in the fourth, but sort of like what you said, I kind of forgot about him. It's weird to – to say that, like, oh, I forgot about Peyton Manning, but he had such a down end of the season and, like, the the calf tear or the thigh tear or whatever it was, really just did not, didn't seem very good. He did not seem very good at the end of last year. So. Yeah, that last game was just kind of sad, yeah. 
Yeah, I I was watching very very closely the Week 16 game. The uh, Broncos played the Bengals because I needed like 20 points from Demarius Thomas for the win. I lost by like 0.7 points on a pass interference offensive pass interference call. It was I'm very bitter about it. Mm-hmm. But just just like trying to like. I came into the game like, oh, no problem. Peyton Manning, he's going to be able to whip this ball all over the field. Uh, and just watching some of the passes like just kind of flutter out of his hands, I was like, I have no chance. This is not going to work out at all for me. So it should be interesting uh, to sort of see how he does. And it's interesting, the quarterback position, it seemed uh, less top-heavy than it has in the past. I feel like in the last couple of years, it's sort of been like the top's been this bloated category with like five, six guys, and now it's sort of only two. So could be interesting. But this is a nice transition to the actual NFL draft since the two presumed first and second pick are quarterbacks, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. Um, I think you wrote something on so-called fantasyexperts.com about this, but uh, what do you think their fantasy potential could be coming in next year? Do you think they have any if, if Winston ends up in Tampa or Mariota in Tennessee? Yeah, I kind of went over it a little bit what could happen if Winston doesn't go to the Bucks. I think he is. He's pretty much a lock for that. But I love him in Tampa Bay with uh, Vincent Jackson and Mike Evans and uh, the tight end, Austin Safar and Jenkins. Um, as well as he's got Doug Martin and Charles Sims, who are two uh, solid pass catching backs. And I think he just has a lot of room to grow out there and do big things. So I think his uh, best effort fantasy success in year one is with uh, the Buccaneers, but I think he's kind of a guy who can fit into a lot of different systems and just kind of go from day one. Yeah, I think he should be pretty good, too. Uh, I forgot that they had Vincent Jackson uh, for, like, a brief stretch of time last year because it was all about, you know, their rookie, the rookie receivers sort of taking over the league, so you're just focusing on Mike Evans' touchdown production, but... They could be a pretty sneaky team. Um, and the team that's drafted first in the draft the last three years has made the playoffs the next season. So I don't I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility Tampa turns it around. Um, their defense is shaky, obviously. But with an offense like that, I don't, I don't think they couldn't go 9-7 and seven and uh, make it in the playoffs. Um, and everybody likes taking those rookie quarterbacks you know, as a backup or a, a late-round pick trying to just find some value. I remember the year Robert Griffin came out. So many people took him as like their their number two uh, quarterback, and they ended up playing him like the rest of the season because he was that dual threat. Um, so, he, Mario. Or, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I remember I had the choice between him and uh, RG three and Kyle Rudolph, and I made the dumb decision and went with Kyle Rudolph. So I'm I'm bitter about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kyle Rudolph. He did have one good year. Was that the? Did you get him for his good year, or did you pay? Take no, no, him I think draft? he was hurt. Yeah, he got hurt like in the third game or something like that. Oh, uh, that's the worst. That really is the worst. But you know, that's what fantasy football is all about. Uh, Mariota, though, I find kind of interesting. Tennessee, they don't really have a lot down there. Um, I've heard some rumblings about trading out of the pick. Obviously, the best case scenario for him is probably the Eagles trade up. Yes. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy, too. Like, I'll pretty much only draft Mariota if he goes to the Eagles. Like, I don't I don't see him as a backup that I want. I know it's appealing to draft rookies, kind of like you were saying, but I think there's a, <laughs> excuse me, a lot of other guys who are uh, worth a pick, and he's going to go through some learning curves, and he has to uh, adjust to kind of the NFL. So, 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think the ten, if he ends up on Tennessee, he'll be a quarterback. I'll have any interest in drafting just because I don't. I don't know what they're putting together down there. It may be two years before he's really good. Like if he comes in this year, kind of you know rough around the edges. I think next year he might be a nice late round pick. Don't if he makes that leap. But if he ends up Tennessee this year, uh, I wouldn't touch him. Um, I and I think from from what Tennessee was doing too that they're not really um, preparing for a new quarterback there where they got Harry Douglas and like some older guys and they're just Anthony Faziano, they're just throwing older guys in there. So it's kind of like, Hey, we're going to get some, uh, move up or we're going to get some good picks in the draft, but we're not really going to focus on, you know, improving our quarterback situation this year. They'll just ride Medenberger and see what he does. Yeah. Um, I do think it'd be interesting if San Diego would trade up for that pick. Um, I've heard speculation that they want to move Philip Rivers because I think he doesn't want to play in L.A. if they move to L.A. I'm not totally sure why he wants to leave. I think he only has one year left on his contract. So I think San Diego yeah, could be interesting, I, too. I part, part of it was the uh, the L.A. thing, and then the other part was just the one year on the contract. So, I mean, that I love that move, actually, if they do trade him, because that's really proactive. If they realize, hey, he's you know in his 30s, and we need to start looking at the future of the organization. Yeah, and there's not a lot of chances... Uh, you're going to end up, unless you really are bad one season, San Diego seems to have a pretty solid infrastructure there. Um, so I'd be surprised to see them at the top of the draft, drafting first or second in the next couple of years. This might be the time where Tennessee maybe wants to stay with Mettenberger and sort of fill up some more depth. And they want to trade back, pick up some picks. So San Diego could move up there. That'd be interesting. Um, if Philip Rivers ended up in Tennessee, that'd be a weird sort of uh, situation. But... I don't know. Yeah, I think the the weirdest situation I heard, and it has some legs apparently, but it's going to be Sam Bradford to the Browns. Tennessee gets both of Cleveland's uh, first round picks, and the Eagles slide in to take Mariota. Wait, so Cleveland gets Sam Bradford, <laughs> the Titans get both of the the what the hell? Oh, because the Eagles Are, have Sam Bradford. Okay. I was like, what the hell are the Eagles giving up in this? They're just getting the second pick, but they they have Sam Bradford. Um, so that, right. that that makes sense now. The three-team trade to get to number two would be pretty interesting. I don't know if that's how many of those ever happen. Um, and I don't know if it's just like media speculation that, the, that Chip Kelly wants Mariota or if it's legit. I think it's probably pretty legit since he seems really keen on signing every uh, Oregon person he can. So... <laughs> For fantasy yeah, that football, seems to be the way things are going. So, Yeah, he's just trying to build Oregon East. Um, maybe he can get his locker room decked out like Oregon. But for all intents and purposes, hopefully, for our fantasy implications, Mariota will end up either on the Eagles or second choice, San Diego. Um, because that way he'd at least have some value this year. And It's always fun to see what rookies can do. Like I think it would be just kind of crappy to see him wallow in Tennessee this year. Or he could be fantastic. Who knows? It's still pretty early. Um, but the other big storyline offensively for the NFL draft is the wide receiver conundrum between Kevin White of West Virginia or Amari Cooper of Alabama. Who uh, who do you prefer for fantasy-wise coming out right now? I like Amari Cooper. Well, it's tough. Um, I think Amari Cooper is a little well 
a little more well-rounded, and I think teams perceive him that way. So that could, uh, if Kevin White goes, so actually, if Amari Cooper is a little more well-rounded, that's how they perceive him, and he goes first. That means Kevin White could actually fall a little bit, and he could end up with a pretty solid team in the uh, the back part of the draft. I know these guys are considered like top ten, but um. I think if Amari Cooper is first, Kevin White can latch onto a better team and uh, kind of vice versa if Kevin White latches. I mean, he could be pretty good with Oakland with Derek Carr, but um, I think the later you go in the draft, the obviously the better team you're going to be with in year one. So I think whoever gets uh, picked first is going to um, have the better – or whoever gets picked second is going to have the better fantasy year. But, I mean, I like Kevin White. I'm a WVU alumni, so I'm a little biased there. But um, I think they're both – they're both solid and kind of they're guys who can add instantly in the uh, in the first year of being a rookie. I think they both can too. Uh, Kevin White's just you know measurable seem pretty amazing. He's like six four, runs like a four three forty. That's pretty that's pretty rare um, for this type of uh, like that type of speed and that type of size. So I think he could definitely dominate. I've seen a few mock drafts where he was going seven to the Bears, which would be interesting um, to put him across from an Alshon Jeffrey to see sort of how how those two could dominate. Uh, maybe a Brandon Marshall sort of duo thing from like two years ago. But I personally Yeah, like, that sounds like a good fit, yeah. I like Amari Cooper a little better. Um, and that's just, for me, it's just he's produced more in college. Nothing against West Virginia. Uh, I have no <laughs> ill will against him. But I, I feel like every couple of years, somebody, and not saying Kevin White's going to be a bust, I think he's going to be very good. But I tend to go with the guy who sort of did it more often and, and he produced constantly. Um, I, I don't know. I just think Amari Cooper was so good at Alabama and on a team with uh, you know some real talent around him, like in the NFL, he could, he could definitely dominate. And I think he might get a little overlooked. Because uh, Kevin White's sort of been picking up some steam with his, you know, his forty time and his broad jump and all that good stuff. So, if you could snag Amari Cooper late in draft, I think it would definitely be a good, a good pick. In, or late in your fantasy draft, it'd be a good pick. If you could snag Amari Cooper and late in the NFL draft, of course that would be a good pick. Um, but it should be interesting to see how that shakes out because it's also going to depend on which quarterback gets them. Like that's why I think. Well, the I, I think it's kind of too like perception, like I was saying, because. I believe West Virginia played four ranked teams, or maybe five, um, this past season. And White actually, I think he averaged over 100 yards um, in each each game against the ranked team. So I think it's the perception that he's not as polished, um, and he definitely doesn't have as much experience as Amari Cooper. But um, he, I mean, he played some big teams in his in his final year there. Yeah, they did move into the Big Ten. Are they in the Big Ten now? The Big 12. I always get them confused, though. Uh, maybe, yeah, I think you're right, Big 12. Um, but, yeah, I think the perception thing is, is good to point out because when the uh, college season ended, everyone just assumed Amari Cooper, he's going to be the best receiver, he's going to be the top 10 pick. So now that's sort of been shifting a little bit. The, the weight seems to be sliding a little more to Kevin White's side. And, yeah, West Virginia, no offense, Jack, but they weren't great last year, so most people probably weren't watching West Virginia games, while everybody was watching those Alabama games uh, in the SEC. So, yeah, we'll see what that's happens. true. I won't argue with that. <laughs> we will see what happens, but it really is all going to depend on which quarterback's throwing them the ball. 
Um, just looking at a few. It would be nice if uh, Atlanta would be a good spot for one of them, but they already are blocked by Julio Jones and Roddy White. So it'd be nice if they had Matt Ryan throwing him the ball. Uh, I heard a little rumbling that maybe one of them can end up with the Giants at nine because the Giants are a little worried about Victor Cruz's knee and how, how good or effective he'll be when he comes back this season. So that could be a nice tandem with Odell Beckham Jr. if they got Kevin White or Amari Cooper on the outside. I, as a Giants fan, would really enjoy that because they tend to they tend to take the boring offensive lineman pick or the boring defensive lineman pick, and I think that's probably what's going to happen with them this year. But I can dream that Amari Cooper or Kevin White will end up on the Giants, <laughs> and I think either one of them uh, would really benefit from playing with Eli Manning. So you know, if you're listening, Tom Coughlin, maybe maybe make that pick. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of like uh, one versus two matchups here like the two top receivers, two top quarterbacks. So now we move to the running backs. Uh, obviously, Todd Gurley versus Melvin Gordon. Uh, initial thoughts on that conundrum, Jack. Who uh, who do you think is going to be better? Where do you think they're going to go? All that good stuff. So for the so-called fantasy experts uh, in the mock draft that I did, I had Melvin Gordon going before Todd Gurley to the Chargers. The Chargers currently have Brandon Oliver, who had some good games last year. Uh, They have Danny Woodhead, who's kind of a decent dual threat back, and Donald Brown, who's been kind of everywhere, it seems. Um, I think teams are going to go with – Gordon, just because of the injuries to Gurley, like, no matter what, like, if you face a serious injury in college, you're yeah. at risk, and they want to limit the risk in the first round, so I think Gordon is going to go before him, um, but that doesn't mean other teams, because anything can happen in the NFL draft, so, hey, maybe the Browns snag him, or maybe who knows, maybe the Vikings grab him if things don't work out with Adrian Peterson, but I think he's going to go towards the middle, the kind of back part of the draft with some of those teams. Yeah, uh, San Diego was sort of where I've seen them start going. The Todd Gurley buzz seems to be, uh, or he's been sort of rising up some draft boards, and I'm not totally sure why. I, I can understand, you know, if he didn't tear his ACL, it was, he could be a top 10 pick, obviously, because um, he was just dumb. He was so good. It's so sad that he tore his ACL. He was so good at Georgia. Um, right. And then there's there's also this whole thing where people just don't value running backs anymore. Um like, how is that going to sort of affect this stuff? Are people just going to pass over the running backs because they say it's not worth a first-round pick? I don't know. Um, San Diego is a spot I saw. I've seen people putting one of those two backs. Um, not Cincinnati. I think the Lions, maybe, depending on how they feel about Joy Bell. The Cardinals could use some help. That, that Oh, and, of course, Dallas at 27. Set back into the first round definitely could be a home for a lot of them. But, um yeah, and the draft I actually put Gurley with the uh, the Cowboys, just kind of pair him up with Darren McFadden. Well, I would really hate that if that happens because I'm a Giants fan and I prefer Todd Gurley not to be in our division. But what can yeah, you? Good. Yeah, right. Good luck having to deal with that. God, good luck yeah. with that. Yeah. <laughs> See, at least I can always count on uh, one team just to be kind of crappy in the division. It seems now it's sort of the Redskins' turn. Uh, every once it cycles through. But anyway, uh, what do you think you can sort of we could expect from uh, a Melvin Gordon coming out? Because he he should be ready 
for training camp. I don't know when Gurley comes back, but what do you, what type of production do you think we can look for? And when, when would you be comfortable drafting Melvin Gordon? Obviously it'll depend where he ends up, but still. Right. Uh, I just kind of want to warn people with tales of uh, Monte Ball and kind of those kind of players that everybody plays so much emphasis on. A lot of it really depends on the blocking, and it's going to depend on the team he's with. So I really have to see that. Um, I think in our draft, he went in the fourth round, which I thought was early. I think on fantasyfootballcalculator.com, he's going in the seventh or eighth. Uh, Those leagues are kind of more competitive, so – people have more biases towards the uh, running backs and rookie running backs. But also, too, the wide receiver position was so crazy last year that um, running backs kind of got overlooked a little bit. And I think that might head into this draft. People are this fantasy season. People are looking into the um, the wide receivers a little more and kind of want to get their own Odell Beckham Jr. this year and kind of be, you know, ahead of the curve and say they found a sleeper. But some people might just uh, miss out on some of these running backs. So I think a lot of it is it's just the team. So that's why we kind of have to wait to see what's going to happen in the draft. But uh, he's a guy who just come out in the right situation and just kind of produce, um, you know, look maybe 800 to 1,000 yards and six or seven touchdowns. But, again, that really depends where he ends up. Yeah. This draft will make a lot – the first round on Thursday, I should say – I'll make a lot of things more clear about, you know, who whose production we can sort of push up the ranks, whose we can drop down, who we might push up our big boards, our fantasy big boards, all that good stuff. Um, I don't know. I'm not totally sold on Melvin Gordon. I think if he ended up in Dallas, I'd be worried. That's supposed to Todd Gurley, like in yours, because he, he ran behind such a good line at Wisconsin that if he ended up in that exact same situation in Dallas, I think he'd, he'd flourish. Um but I don't know. I don't know really how to judge him. Totally. Gurley just seemed like a more natural NFL running back fit. But I don't know. Melvin Gordon, man, he put up so many yards last year. It has to say something, right? That's true, yeah. I mean, that's why that's why a lot of these rookie running backs are so tantalizing. You just see what they did in college. And, like, wow, imagine what they – and, like you said, imagine what they do with the Dallas Cowboys line, protect them. Yeah, it's we just gotta wait, man. It sucks, but Thursday will let us know. Indeed, a lot of the a lot of this first round, I'm just you know perusing mock drafts right now. It seems like a lot of this is gonna be a heavy defensive draft. So, you know, there might be one or two sleeper defenses. Uh, I think if the Jets take a really good, I think the Jets are already bumping up people's mock draft boards for fantasy because of Revis. But if they get another edge rusher or something like that front seven, the Jets could be pretty nice defensive pick, depending what the Rams do with 10. So it'll be interesting to see, even from a defensive side of the ball, like San Francisco's at 15, where do they go? They need to sort of rebuild things, Houston at 16. So some of these teams taking defensive players, like don't ignore that on draft day too. Like don't ignore that on NFL draft day because one great pass rusher, like remember what happened with Alvin Smith in uh, San Francisco, he was dominant. You could get a guy like that come right in. Your defense could totally change. So keep focus on that as well because, you know, defense is part of it too. But now moving from the NFL draft to the actual NFL season, the the, uh, the NFL schedule's out. It came out, I think, last Tuesday. There was a big hullabaloo about it on ESPN for like three hours. Um, Jack, have you had a chance to look through this schedule yet? 
I did. Uh, I kind of called it before it happened, but I figured Roger Goodell would screw the Ravens over, and Le'Veon Bell's first game back is indeed against the Ravens. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you know, that's sort of what I thought. I was confused on what you meant there, but that does make sense. Um, I think he hates the Ravens so much. What do you, does he think he has a, a grudge against them? What's that? What's, uh, why do you think Roger Goodell's screwing over the Ravens? I'm not really sure. That's just kind of my uh, wild conspiracy theory of why we have to be the first team to face Le'Veon Bell after he gets a little bit of rest and he's ready to tear us a new one. Yeah, okay. Well, that's a legitimate reason to feel that way. Um, I think it should be – I think that Steelers-Patriots game that opens the season is not going to be as close as most people probably are hoping for for an opening night game. I don't think the Steelers are going to have a great season this year, so – I'm not sure that's the best best way they could have went with it. Um, I'm a little surprised they're not going Broncos that first game, but I don't know. What yeah, that'd be interesting. Uh, one of the other, one of the, I was actually compared. Um, what is it? I looked at uh, Aaron Rodgers' schedule and Andrew Luck's schedule, and I believe Andrew Luck. And this is very interesting that he faces. Um, uh, what, he faces the Panthers, uh, the Falcons, the Saints, and the Buccaneers, who obviously aren't the greatest at stopping any team on defense, while Rodgers is facing the Seahawks, the 49ers, the Cardinals, and the Rams. Wow. That's – geez, that's a tough slate there. God. Well, so, so maybe Andrew Luck really is, you know, sort of pushed up into – made his way into that top two with with Rodgers, and especially with a schedule like that, I may rethink where, where I draft him and what uh, how I approach the quarterback position. Because, yeah, I'm just going down his list right now. It really, depending on what you think about, so he plays the Jets in week, which, depending on what happens to their secondary, um, which now looks very, very good, me could probably struggle there. But after that, he doesn't play anybody that I'm really that concerned about the entire season. Jesus. The AFC South is such a nice yeah. nice benefit for uh, quarterbacks. Right. So he gets those four games, and then he gets two games against the Jaguars. So that's six games right there. And against the Jaguars, let me see, he posted 31 points on standard scoring leagues. And he only scored 14 points in the second game, but still that's, uh, that's a nice average there. Yeah, he also gets the Titans, too. Let's not forget that. Or did you say those sure. in that first? Did you put those in there? Uh, either way. No, I didn't. Uh, so it's it's he's got like eight games there that are pretty pretty soft. Um, did you see any other divisions that seem really soft for fantasy uh, potential that you could think of? Uh, nothing off the top of my head, and it's just kind of hard to gauge with how defenses are going to perform. Like we saw the Eagles kind of come out of nowhere, and I think they're the top fantasy defense last year, and everybody's spending early picks on the four, or not the four, on the uh, the Seahawks. So. It's just kind of really hard to tell what a team can do from year to year. Yeah, I think the the NFC West should be interesting because I don't think the San Francisco 49ers are going to be that great this year. Um, I have sold stock in them. I think the AFC, or not the AFC, the NFC South should be interesting too because the Bucks could be good, they could be bad. Uh, the Saints seem to be sellers. Atlanta, 
was okay last year. Who knows what they'll do. And same with Carolina. Carolina seems like the best team right now, so maybe Cam Newton has some easy defenses to run through, but he doesn't have a great offense down there either. So it could be I – I think Cam Newton could have a really good year. I liked what you said before when you uh, were sort of looking at him as a sleeper. Um, or not a sleeper, but like a mid-round quarterback. So – yeah, I think he. Yeah, I think he's just undervalued for next year. I think people are thinking too much what he did at the start of the season and not seeing when he came back a little more healthy what he was doing at the end of the year. Yeah, he had a really nice stretch down the down that back end. Um, just trying to look around for other places, and yeah, I mean, obviously the Patriots, their division got a little tougher, but you're really not going to pick too many Patriots on your fantasy teams anyway. It's pretty much Brady and Gronk. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be an interesting season, definitely, uh, how the draft shakes out. But it looks like Sarah will not be joining us tonight. She emailed. Um, so we'll have to get her on again another week. Uh, but so, Jack, we've got a couple more minutes until we uh, end this thing. What is the one thing you were looking for in this NFL draft on Thursday? Is it Are we looking just at the Eagles, or is there anything else you know that could really add some intrigue? Yeah, I think the top three picks are going to be interesting. Um, I'm actually something I'm interested to see is the Saints if they try to figure something out with replacing uh, Jimmy Graham. I saw the tight end Max Williams. A lot of people are thinking he might go there, um, but since they're kind of more focused on the run, I think uh, I, I, I don't know if he'll go there. But that's something I'm interested to find out. Yeah, I think the uh, a couple teams have two picks. In this, in this round, so I'm interested to see how the Saints, what they do with their picks. I think uh, the Browns, for some reason, are a team I've, I'm really just enamored with. I think it was because I won a fantasy championship on the back of Josh Gordon's one season uh, in the <laughs> where he played for the majority of it, so I'm interested to see what they do. Because um, they kind of they, they were kind of frisky last year. I was hoping they'd you know pull out a couple wins against uh, some of those AFC North opponents. So we'll see. We'll see what they do. That's where I'm leaning. Yeah. I just, I just hope they don't take. Yeah, that I, they might not be afraid to, uh, you know, try to trade up for Marietta either. So I, I mean, I want to roll him out for going to Cleveland either. Yeah, if, that would definitely end, be the end of Johnny football. So it's funny how nobody even talks about Johnny football anymore. People just move on so quickly. Uh, but. I also am interested to see what the Texans and 49ers do with back-to-back picks because they both, you know, if they have a good pick here, they could easily jump back up into, like, really contending. If they have a bad pick, they could sort of slide back down into the, the first 10 picks. So we shall see. Jack, you're a Ravens fan, yes? Correct. Who who would you like to see them take with their first pick? What are you, what are you looking for with the Ravens? Probably a cornerback just because we have some health issues. Um, we have a strong unit when uh, Jimmy Smith can stay on the field and Ladarius Webb, but if they don't, that kind of hurts us. Um, I'm also interested to see if we go after a wide receiver. I actually read an article in the Baltimore Sun that talked about, um, what was his name, not Malcolm Brown, but uh, he, he kind of had a relevant season one year and he just kind of fell into the shadows when Steve Smith came. It's going to kill me. I don't remember his name right now. But uh, I want to see if they draft a wide receiver or not. And, uh, yeah, just kind of what they do with the offense because they didn't really make a lot of noise in the offseason as far as the offense other than signing Matt Schaub, I think that was – and re-signing Justin Forsett. Those were the two biggest moves they did. Yeah, that 
Matt Schaub was really going to put you over the top, it seems. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I've seen a lot of mocks having them go receiver or corner because you guys had you sort of had the Patriots uh, boxed in there in that playoff game, but you were just running out of cornerbacks to throw out on the field. So it should be interesting. I'll be looking forward to seeing who the Ravens take, who the Browns take. Of course, who the Giants take at nine. If it's an offensive lineman, I'd be pretty happy with that because our offensive line was just terrible last year. And Eli Manning can only produce when he just throws the ball up to Odell Beckham, it seems. So if we get a good offensive line, maybe he could stay in the pocket, throw to some other people. Maybe we could even run the ball. Who knows? But, Jack, it's been a lot of fun. Why don't you uh, shout out a little bit about your information, where you can find, where they can find your stuff, uh, where they can find you on Twitter. And then we'll sign off of this one. So give it a go. Yeah, sure. Uh, and the guy, that his name is Marlon Brown. In his first year, he hauled in uh, 524 yards and seven touchdowns. So keep him on your sleeper list on Baltimore. But you can find me on Twitter at YourFFCoach. And uh, I'm also the owner of YourFantasyFootballCoach.com. All right. That is Jack Delaney. Uh, now, just to get this in now, Jack, I think my first two picks were better than your first two picks in the mock draft. But I can see why you you do like your team as well. Um, we'll have to see how they play out in the regular season. But this has been fun. Hopefully we can get this to be in a weekly thing, maybe every two weeks. I don't know. It's still kind of far out from the actual NFL season. But this will not be – it's been probably six weeks since we talked last. We'll get this to be a more common thing. We'll get some new people in. We'll get a new intro – or not a new intro, a new title. We're going to blow this thing up. So this has been the so-called Fantasy Experts Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Travis Pastor. This is Jack Delaney. We will catch you guys next time.